0: Good morning to you all, to all of you. May you've been blessed. May you continue to be blessed, and may you continue to know the goodness of a loving God. Well, we are here to meet with you for another Sunday morning, and I just feel blessed to be able to be here with you. And I pray that you would recognize this only by the goodness of God that we're here, and that you are blessed by God to be here this morning to hear his word, and my prayer is, is that we would stay with his word, we'll stay with his word, amen? For his word, as scripture said, truly is a light unto our path. His word is that manna from heaven for us. His word is that which stabilizes us and gives us a foundation. His word. It is life. And we want to stay with his word. Amen. Well, we're going to continue on in this area of righteousness, in which we started in this area in St. John, chapter 16, and verse 8. It reads, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, and we covered the sin, and righteousness is what we're on now, and then we're going to start on judgment most likely next week, but we want to get as much understanding as possible about this righteousness. When the Holy Spirit will come, he would teach us about sin And about righteousness. And we need to understand that we need to be taught about righteousness because it is something we don't know anything about. We don't know what godly righteousness really is. We, as Scripture says, see ourselves right in our own eyesight. That's every man, every individual, even your children. they see themselves right in what they desire and what they want. And what we begin to learn, those who come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we begin to learn that our minds have to be renewed because the world standard of righteousness is not the same as that righteousness that comes from God. And we need to understand that it is not our righteousness that earns us heaven. It is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that when God looks upon us who have named the name of Christ, he doesn't look at our righteousness. He looks at the righteousness that has been imputed unto us through Jesus Christ and only through the righteousness of Jesus Christ can we decla- can we be declared justified now that's something that we can be declared justified not by our righteousness but the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ now why 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 isn't our righteousness good enough? Isaiah says, all of our good works and all of our righteousness are nothing but filthy rags before God. There's nothing we can do in and of ourself in the flesh that would be righteous. Even some of our wrong motives that are hidden from the sight of others, that when we do good deeds and we do something that looks very, very good and kind towards someone else, can have a wrong motive. And our righteousness is out the window. Even when we think we're doing right, the question is, Why are we doing right? And oftentimes we do right in order to gain something. And that's something we're teaching, I think, wrongly to our children. You should not be rewarded for just doing what is right because it's the right thing to do. And we're rewarding our children for doing right When we maybe should not be rewarding them because it's the right thing to do. And we're teaching them in order to receive something. And we think, okay, when we reward them, we're teaching them. When you're teaching them to get something that they want, if they do it, this or that, the right way or the way you want it done. And we're not always going to be rewarded doing the right thing. And Peter tells us sometime we have to suffer for righteousness sake. Sometime we suffer for doing the right thing, making the right decision. We can suffer. But we are a people of God. And in Romans three ten, as we spoke last week There is none that doeth good. No, not one. There is not one that is righteous. There is none that is righteous. And we need to take that to heart. The righteousness of man will only lead him to destruction and lead him to a painful life and a hurtful life because even his self-righteousness hurts others. Our self-righteousness will only destroy us. And therefore, we are learning again. What is righteousness or godly righteousness? And that's what's important. It says that the Holy Spirit will convict us of righteousness. Because we really don't know what is righteousness right. Many people who are living together think they're right. Many in the immoral lifestyle believe that they're right. Many of the gays, the lesbians, all through this group think that they're right. People who hate other people just for the color of their skin, believe that they're right. Many politicians believe that they are right and therefore there's no compromising, there's no sitting down and trying to come up with something that we both can agree on that will be best for this country because we each feel or think we're right in our position and we will not bend, we will not be broken, we will not compromise and yet we're a bankrupt country morally and we are quickly going that way financially because today we live in a day where we don't honor people of righteousness and it's that area that is destroying us. The righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keeps us from a destructive lifestyle. His righteousness keeps us from a destructive lifestyle. He is called. The Lord, our righteousness. Go back to Jeremiah. We spoke of this some last week, but it's worth returning to and speaking of it again and again and again because we have to get it in our minds, in our hearts, that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. We really have to get that into our minds and our hearts. That He's our righteousness. He's our righteousness. He's our righteousness. It's not the things that we do or how we act that is righteous. If it's not of Him, if it's not revealing Him, if it doesn't have the unction of His Word in it, then it's only of selfishness. And we have to get to a place where it's his word that is leading us to do that which is right. The Holy Spirit is unctioning us to do what is right. The Holy Spirit has convicted us of what is right. So in that Psalms 23.6, it simply says, Why, <clears throat> in his day, Judah will be saved. Talking about Israel in the future will be saved. And Israel will live in safety. Now, catch this. Oh, grab it. Let it. Let it sink into your heart. This is the name by which he will be called: the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. Go to 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, and verse 30, because it almost repeats the same thing. 1 Corinthians 1, and verse 30. It says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Who has become for us, look what he's become. Look what is speaking of Jesus. It is because of him, because of him, Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness. Holiness and redemption. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He's your righteousness. You are crowned with his righteousness. You are learning to live a life in him with his righteousness. For he has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness. Now, when you go to Malachi in chapter three, there's there's this verse that is unique, and it's unique because what it is saying to us, because we need to realize. We really don't know what righteousness is. And that's what makes this verse here very unique in the things in which it's going to say. So, in Malachi chapter 3 and in verse 18, because we all think we can declare what is right and what is wrong, we declare what is right or wrong. Not based on our own opinion of right and wrong, but from knowledge of what is right and wrong. And if it's of knowledge, then you have to ask, of whose knowledge? Is it of the knowledge of the world, or is it of the knowledge of God? Where am I drawing my knowledge from in order to say this is right or this is wrong? And many people don't like it when you bring up the Bible because the Bible is just a history book, it's a book of poetry, uh, it's just a literary book. It's, It's not really a book that many people believe is written by God the Holy Spirit to show us how to live in righteousness. And to tell us what is right and wrong. And that's what the Bible does. It tells us what is right and what is wrong in life. The Holy Spirit also interjects and helps us to understand in a much better way of what is right and why it's right. And that this righteousness or this rightness comes from God. And that we should be willing to accept. And yet so often we fight against that which God says is the right thing to do. So in Malachi chapter 3, when you get into verse 18, look what he says. And you will again see. You will again see. So at the moment when he's speaking... The people really didn't see righteousness or wrong. And many of us are that way, who are unsaved. If you're unsaved, you don't really know what's right or wrong. You live today with the notion of your opinion of what is right and wrong, and many things you do is wrong. They're wrong against God's word. They're wrong against the law that is even stated by man. Because oftentimes we're trying to beat the law, get around the law, rather than to accept the law and live it out. And here God is saying, there's going to come a day that people will again be able to distinguish Between what is right and what is wrong. So here's Jeremiah. I'm not Jeremiah. Malachi chapter 3 verse 18. And you will again see the distinction. You will see the distinction. Between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who do not. You're going to see righteousness lived out in the people of God. And that's why it's so important for the people of God to learn this word and hide it in their heart that they may not sin against God. And when you don't sin against God, you definitely will not sin against man. And it tells us, I'm going to teach you a new way of living. Amoim set an example before you in the person of Jesus Christ who knew no sin. And he lived this life in this human body and did not sin. And he was made our righteousness. He's the example to us of righteousness. And he is the one who imputes his righteousness unto us or gives us his righteousness. You will again see the distinction between righteousness and wicked. Is there a distinction today? Is there a distinction of what is right and what is wrong? Is there a distinction between good behavior and bad behavior? Is there a distinction? Between a woman and a man, is there distinctions in these areas? Is there boundaries? <clears throat> We've never seen so many men kissing men on commercial and pushing this hideous sin into the minds of people that it's okay to be of be in love with another man, another woman, or whatever, and, and, and it's wrong. And there are many today that see it as being right, because the issue is that they just love each other, and they should have a right to love whoever they want to love. Well, God didn't make it that way. He made Adam and Eve. And that's hard for a lot of people to accept. But for the Christian, we accept it, we believe it, we live it. And he says, you're going to be able to distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God. Why? Why are you bringing those who serve God? Those who serve God. We ought to walk in righteousness, in the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, I understand somebody out there saying, you don't do that all the time. You're not perfect. You're not so holy in this and that. I understand that. But we who named the name the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not walk in wickedness and sinfulness deliberately day after day after day, hour after hour after hour. That is not our lifestyle. That's not our behavior. That's not Christ's behavior. I'm not saying you won't stumble. I'm not saying there won't be a slip up or or a failure or a sin in your life. I'm not saying that. But it should not be consistent. It should not be constant. It should not be a part of your life that you're actively involved in sin day after day after day. Because you are of a righteous seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you go to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. And again is this understanding of Jesus Christ, our righteousness. and uh, we want to really be able to grasp that and hold on to it. So in First John chapter 2 and verse one it says, "My dear children, I write these I write this to you so that you will not sin, that you will not sin." Sin is always a choice. But I'm writing you this. That you will not sin. But if. But if. Anybody does sin. And he's writing this to Christians. If you sin. Remember this. We have one who speaks to the father. In our defense, listen to his title, listen to the name. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, catch the title, the Righteous One. The Righteous One. Because when God looks upon us, he looks at the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That has been placed upon us. Through the Holy Spirit's work. The moment we accept it. The Lord Jesus Christ. a work begins in our life. And that's why the Holy Spirit. Is going to convict us about righteousness. Because he's going to teach us. How to live. As Christ would live. He's going to teach us. How to live without sin in our life. He's going to teach us what is really right to do in life. Now, once you go over to first chapter 2 and, and go to verse 29 also. In that first John chapter 2, go over to verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. The person who does what is right is not so much acting on their own, but they have been born of him. They are following that example of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been taught by the Holy Spirit of what is right, and they do what is right. And we're challenged to do that day after day, moment by moment as we live. We're challenged to do it. And we have to come to that place and we have to hear this and hear it. If you know that he is righteous, who is the he? Jesus. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone, Everyone who does what is right, now if it's about Jesus Christ and we're in Jesus Christ and we are the righteous ones, what is that saying about those who are not in Christ? Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Everyone who does what is right is born of him. So what is that saying about those who are not born of the seed of Christ, who are not born again, who are not saved? What is that saying, then, that they're wrong? Yes. They're going about trying to seek their own righteousness, but not the righteousness of God. We need to understand that it is his righteousness in which we live. Go to Ephesians 4.24. Ephesians 4.24. Because it is in him we live and have our being. And and we move in him. We live in him. 4.24 he simply says. And put on the new self. And put on the new self. Well let's back up just a little bit. Let's go back up to verse 22. Ephesians 4.22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. So to put off your old self. In other words, get rid of your old way of thinking. Get rid of your old way of seeing things right and wrong. Get rid of that system. Get rid of that old life. And so many of us try to merge there's new life and this old life together and it doesn't work. You have to totally separate the old life, the old way of thinking, the old way of believing, the old way. And allow your mind to be renewed by the Holy Spirit, convicted by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit. And allow him to teach you righteousness. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self. Follow this now in verse 24. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness. We are created to be like who? Like God. In true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness. And when we act rightly and do what is right, we are acting like God and doing the things that are right. For we're created to be like God in righteousness. Righteousness. And doing the right things. And sometimes that's hard for us to judge. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to control. We allow the Holy Spirit to speak. We allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. We allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. It really does become part of our life. Go to 2 Peter. Because I want you to understand something. 2 Peter chapter 1. In verses 3 and 4, God wouldn't, wouldn't tell you that he's going to teach you how to live rightly if you could not do it. The Holy Spirit would not be here to convict you about righteousness if it was an impossible task for us. I'm not saying it's easy, easy. Because it goes against the grain of life. It goes against the grain of the flesh. Man never wants to be corrected. But if you're born of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have additional power in the person of the Holy Spirit. You have more. You have the Word of God. If you allow it to work in your life. And if you're willing to follow it. So in Second Peter chapter 1. In verse 3. 3 and 4. He says. His divine power. What kind of power? Divine power. Not earthly power. Heavenly power. Something more. Something outside of yourself. Something that man can't give you. So he describes it as a divine power. Has given us everything, everything we need for life and godliness. This divine power has provided for us everything we need for a righteous life, for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us. By his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us. His very great precious promise. So that through them. You may participate in the divine nature. What kind of a nature? A divine nature. Not a fallen nature. Not a sinful nature. But a divine nature. Do you want that? Do you really want that? A divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. To escape corruptions that is caused by what? Evil desires. Not the right way of thinking. Not the right way of living. You're, you're living upon your evil desires. The things that somehow seem like they're pushing you or they're drawing you. But they're not righteous. They're not the right things. And you and I have to say no to that. We have to say no to it in order to live righteously. Now what we have to understand also is simply that the old nature is not eradicated. Therefore, the old nature has the ability to sin. But it should become less and less and less and less as we walk with the Lord and as we learn how to live righteously by the Spirit. Now, go to Romans 6 and verse Thirteen, and we're going to be closing out here the next five minutes. But I want you to look at Romans chapter six, verses verse thirteen. Look what it says to us here. Get these pages to come apart, or sometimes they want to stick together like somebody didn't glued them together. He says simply this, in that verse 13, get my eyes focused on it, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, Now that's the choice each one of us have to make. He says, do not offer, who is he talking to, Christians? Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been bought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments. Now, now what kind of instruments? Listen, as instruments of righteousness, as people who want to do the right thing, we want every part of our bodies to do what is right, even in our thoughts, even with our eyes, we have to train them, even with our mouth, how we speak, even with these hands, how we touch, that we're doing it right, rightfully, not out of wickedness, Not out of some fleshly pleasure, but that we're doing it rightly. A man has to judge whether he is giving another woman a hug as a sister in Christ or as a dear friend or someone that they really care about, or is he doing it for sinful pleasure. There's the right hug, and there's the wrong hug, and that's the issues that we have to deal with. There's a right way to dance, there's a wrong way of dancing, and I know for some they will just say dancing is just sinful. My mother was a square dance champion in Barberton, Ohio, and she loved to square dance. That's even hard for black people. (laughs) as As I learned about it even. But here is that thing of doing what is right. There's a lot of things we can do as Christians. More than what sometimes we think. But it has to be done rightly. Rightly. And not in the wrong attitude, wrong modus but in the right attitude, right motives, and the right way to do it. It's, it's, it's exactly what he says there. Boy, surrendering your members to the righteousness of God. And we need to understand that there is a benefit in that. Hey. For he simply says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. In verse 23. I don't have time to read all the way down through it. But the benefit of righteousness is life. Life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything outside the Lord Jesus Christ is wrong sinful, and the wages of sin is death. Now, let's close simply with this. You have three things to fight against. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And the Holy Spirit has to teach you how to fight against the world, and we don't fight with worldly weapons. We fight the way in which God teaches us to fight in righteousness. But these three influences, or these three things that we have to deal with, they have a counter also. The world way of doing things is countered by the kingdom way of doing things. The world may say something is right, but God's way may say, that's not right, but here's the right way of doing it. And if you're in the kingdom of God, you're going to seek to do it God's way. That's where God's kingdom is with his people, and his people follow his orders and his commands and not that of the world. The second is the flesh, the self. Boy, we, we want to please self so much that we'll hurt other people, even pleasing ourselves. And the influence of self is that we think we deserve it, we think we should have it, we think we should have pleasure and be happy and and be this and be that. You only find happiness in righteousness, not in wrongness, not in wickedness. Happiness and joy and contentment is only found in doing what is right. So that area of fleshly self is controlled by The Holy Spirit. If you allow the Holy Spirit. To control. Is one of the gifts. That we find in Ephesians 5. Self-control. Self-control. And the self-control is there. To control. This fleshly appetite. Of self-righteousness. Because we can do things and believe that we're right even in pleasing ourselves when it's wrong. The last one that you have to really fight against that is a strong influence in the lives of people is the devils and his demons and their teaching and their drawing. They want to draw us into their way of living, into their style of living, into their behavior, their corruption, their evil, their wickedness. And the word counters that by greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Jesus Christ. If you allow Jesus Christ to rule in your heart, through the Holy Spirit, in teaching you righteous living, you will live in such a way that you prosper. And you will be happy and joyful and content. Because righteousness brings about happiness, joyfulness, and contentment in life. You can sing while you're in prison. If you're in the prison for doing the right thing. If you're suffering for doing the right thing, you will still have a happiness and a joy and a contentment about yourself and in yourself because you've done what is right. Well, we're going to close there because there's so much more to be said about this and I want to just challenge you. Just take a concordance and read up on righteousness. Read up on righteousness. And see the peace that it gives you. The happiness that it brings in your life when you do the right thing. And the joy that's there. Righteousness is a foundation for the Christian is one of those pillars that need to be established. And we have to make it up in our minds. We're going to live righteously because the one who has saved us has set the example and has given unto us his righteousness. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your loving kindness. And we ask, O God, that you would teach us, Lord, of your righteousness through the power of your Holy Spirit. You have empowered us to live a godly life. May we do so. May we surrender completely to you and bring honor to your name as we live righteously in this world and we'll give you praise and all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you, may God keep you and I pray that this message somehow sinks into our hearts. You cannot live life without living it righteously. Amen. God bless you. God keep you.